All right, guys, welcome to Property Profits Podcasts, where we interview everyday real estate investors. Uh, my name is Bryce Kaminsky. I'm the co-host here, filling in for Dave Dubow. And, you know, if you've ever wondered how to scale your real estate portfolio, invest out of state, and really strike that perfect work-life work balance, today's guest, Bree Schmidt, has not only mastered these feats, but also shares a fascinating journey from house hacking in Chicago to owning her own brokerage. So Bree is going to reveal her insights on property investment, including when to sell and achieving financial stability. Welcome to the show, Bree. Thanks for having me. Yeah, you know, it's uh, you've got an interesting journey along the way. Um, really what resonates with people is we've all got that origin story. Like we're sitting somewhere, we're doing something and usually has something to do with a rich dad, poor dad book. But how did you get started? It's been 12 years now, correct? Yeah, I started investing 12 years ago. Um, I actually read Rich Dad, Poor Dad, probably in my late teens, early 20s, and found the book very interesting, but never did any action on it. So it wasn't even until I was 28 years old, my fiance and I were planning our wedding, you know, and our life plans, and thinking about what we wanted for our future. And we live in the Chicago market where about 50 to 70% of the housing stock are these small two to four unit buildings. Yeah. So we thought, hey, let's buy, you know, this, it's called house hacking now, but it wasn't house hacking back then. But let's buy this three flat building. We can live in one unit, rent out the others. And then as we need more space and as time goes by, we'll just, you know, take out a wall, move a staircase, right? And eventually convert this house to a single family. So that yeah. was always like our end game plan. I was working in corporate advertising sales. I was, you know, working 60 hours a week and traveling all over the country and I loved it. And so there was never any thought beyond, you know, this is going to be our one property and we're going to live here forever. So a few months after we bought the property, things were going well. Uh, my father was diagnosed with a very aggressive form of cancer. And he ended up passing a few months later after like 10 rounds of radiation and 13 rounds of chemo. And he died just after turning 60, just before turning 60 years old, or just after actually. Um, and it was supposed to be his retirement party. And he ended up dying just before that. So we had to convert his retirement party into his wake. And it really like, it really it shook fast. me to the core. It does, yeah, it you know, really fast because he, it did, it was a very aggressive form of cancer and there really was no chance, you know, of, of survival. But what really messed with me was all the times he would say, you know, after I retire, we're going to go do this. You know, yeah. when I were like, I'm going to retire after you get married or after your brother finishes his PhD. And then we're going to go to Thailand and we're going to go to Italy and we're going to do all this cool stuff. And he fuck, he died, you yeah. know, and like all those like thoughts in my head of like, crap, I'm, you know, 20, I think I was 29 years old. I've been working corporate for, you know, almost 10 years now. And while I love my job, I can't do this for another 30 years to get what my, my crappy two week vacation you know, yeah. like, when am I going to be able to do the things that I want to do? <clears throat> so we started thinking about, you know, how how we wanted to redesign our lifestyle, right? And and how to fit everything around that. So real estate investing is that we had already owned one property. You know, we decided to buy another one and then we bought another one. And that was a, a burr, as they call it. So we were yeah. able to, you know, renovate it, pull out equity on it and then continue investing. Um, so I was invested in the Chicago and Milwaukee market. Um, I said between 2011 and 2015, I ended up buying like 21 properties um, and then bought another 10 properties with partners. 
and decided to leave my corporate job and do this full time. So that was in 2014. Yeah, because the retirement, you know, as you've unfortunately found out, is not a guarantee. No, um, it's even not. if you even if you, you know, do manage to retirement, what type of retirement are you actually going to achieve? So you've got a handful of properties now you get to, you know, more than a handful, that's probably a basket <laughs> if you're counting and you leave your corporate job. Um, were you nervous when you left the job? Or Absolutely. Were you pretty good. Because I'd always, you know, my my I'm a, I'm a millennial, as you want to call it. You know, we were taught go to college, get a good job, you know, work there and forever. then forever. Amen. Right. Put put your six percent in your 401k. And then, you know, in your 60s, you can go do the life you want. Um, and that's what was like ingrained in our heads from such a young yeah. age. So like entrepreneurship in general is terrifying when that you're was used like to something that. other people did. Yeah. No. Yeah. Never considered myself to be an entrepreneur, you know, and that that every other week paycheck, you know, made sure I paid my bills. Um, and now you're going into a completely unknown world. So it was definitely very scary. But I was really at the point. It's like when I when I actually put my notice in, I only had three properties. I put my notice in, I quit my job. And a few days later, I ended up closing on five and then ended up buying 18 properties in the, in the next nine months. So no, I went talk, from, are you talking what? 18, uh, 18 properties, like 18 doubles and triples. So these are yeah. like, you're talking about 40 doors or 60 yeah. doors in that range because of the, the break, the split of them. Yeah. I went from in a year and a half, I went from nine units to like 94. So just for perspective, because some people are always worried about when to invest and, you know, the cliche saying is 10 years ago and the second best is now. What kind of numbers were you able to acquire that portfolio? What were you buying them for? What were they renting for? So again, this was the Chicago market. It's very different than the Milwaukee market. So I want to, yeah. you know, the Chicago market is more of an AB type market okay, um, yeah. versus the Milwaukee market was a solid C type market. So I would not have been able to accumulate the volume of properties had I stayed in Chicago because the price points are very different. Yeah. So when I was buying in Milwaukee, it was about $30,000 a unit and they rent yeah. for, let's say, seven dollars $800 a unit. And today that's, uh, that, that, that pricing has gone. Uh... Yeah, we ended up, when we sold the portfolio, rents were still around seven, like let's say $800 a unit. And we were selling them for fifty-five to sixty thousand dollars a unit. And how many years did you end up holding them for? Um, I started buying up there in twenty-four. I bought there 2014, 2015, 2016. and then I started selling twenty eighteen to twenty twenty-three. So I actually just sold my last property about a month ago. So, what motivated you to to sell the properties? Because some people say, you know, buy, hold, and and just run it out 20 Hold years forever, later. Right? So. That's the plan. Yeah. Yeah. So what motivated you to sell? You know, it's interesting because when I was, when I was acquiring my portfolio up there, right, I had a very aggressive growth plan and I couldn't just buy in the MLS. So I was doing direct mail, right? I was, you know, talking with other investors, flippers, um, all those sort of things. So I, I got the pleasure of having a lot of like direct conversations with sellers since I was kind of doing it on my own. And I found that there's three reasons people sell. Yeah. One, they're not running it like a business and it's eating them up. Yeah. Two, they're tired. 
And the, 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 I always ask them like, how long, when they're always like, you know what, I'm over it. Like, it's just time to move on and get out of real estate investing. I always ask them, how long have you been an investor? And the answer was always around 10 years. So yeah, there 10 seems years to, and 10 bad tenants in a row. Yeah. There seems to be like a, a point where it's like, okay, it's been enough. Um, and then the other reason is to scale up, right? You're going to sell off your smaller stuff and then parlay that into bigger stuff, right? And keep growing, let's yeah. say into hotels or commercial or multifamily. Um, so my reason was I was just tired. You know, I, I just started to start, I decided to start a family. So I had my daughter in 2019 is when I started kind of selling because even with full-time property management, running a large C-class portfolio is exhausting. Yeah. I can't tell you how many stories we've had, um, two fires, you know, we've had, uh, a year long bed bug thing where we actually had to vacate the entire building, tent it and then do a bed bug treatment and then pay someone to sleep in it to see if there were still bed bugs. Let's see if they'd come, see if they'd, uh, I'm not even kidding. Visit. We had to pay someone to put like a sleeping bag on the floor. Well, and it's, and it's bad. Like, you know, that that's the, that's a nightmare for, for the landlords, especially in multis, you know, we've, we've got a multi-unit that, uh, one of the tenants just, just, you know, that's a side by side, but it's not like a, a construction in which they can't go left or right. So, now we've got a bug problem and now it's like, okay, now does the next unit have a bug problem and the next unit have a bug problem? So it's, you know, you do got to stay on top of that before the, you know, you get to tenting the whole building. So yeah, were you able to, yeah. Were you able to fix that up or were you still having yeah. to battle with that after? Yeah, we just, it took us, you know, probably nine months, the whole process because the tenant refused to follow treatment and kept getting reinfected. And yeah. kept reinfecting the other units, like you said. I think we lost three tenants. They had moved in. We thought we were good. And then they had bed bugs. And we couldn't just get the other tenant the to follow the, the protocol. So we had to get them out. You know, like it was just it was exhausting. So again, dealing with a I I don't think my expectations of a C class portfolio were realistic. Um, yeah. there was definitely a lot more swings, a lot more ups and downs, you know, and you're dealing with a tenant class that if their car breaks down. And it's going to cost $400 to repair. They can't get to work. And they typically don't have that $400 unless they don't pay rent. And if they yeah, can't get they to work, they can't make decision. more money. Yep. And so it, it leads that one thing, that one $400 expense leads to, you know, potential eviction and at least, you know, four to six weeks of getting caught up on rent. And it's just an, it's an ongoing thing. So, um, I still do have four properties up there with a partner. Um, but he doesn't want to sell. He doesn't like to pay taxes. So we are keeping those, yeah, so but it's a keep... much more manageable portfolio size. So what did you end up parlaying that those properties into? Uh, I took a tax hit on them all. Um, and you just sold it off. Sold it off, took a tax hit. Um, I did some syndication investing. Um, I've done some small business investing, some personal uh, personal loans, but really I've got a lot of the capital just waiting for the right opportunity. I just haven't really seen it yet. So how did that lead you to becoming a real estate agent? I guess you dealt with enough sellers. You're like, I could do this. Even before that, it was so funny. So I said, I, I quit my job like July, 2014. Um, I had been running a local meetup in the Chicago market for real estate investors. And I was just starting to grow my Milwaukee portfolio. Now I've been licensed in real estate since 2001. Um, I just never really did anything with my license. I held it at a holding company the entire time I was in corporate. So I was at a, a local networking event and some, I did a podcast for bigger pockets 
And someone came up to me and said, you know, I want to do what you're doing with your life. I want to start with house hacking and grow my portfolio. Can you help me? And I was like, well, you know, I am licensed. I legally can help you, but you know, I haven't taken on a client in almost 10 years. Um, I don't have a car either. So you'll have to drive me to showings. And he did, Um, you know, and he ended up being one of my best clients. I've done about seven deals with him buying and selling. Um, And really I fell in love with the, because my passion with real estate is the the deal finding, right? The analysis, the strategy, like that's like my crack, you know? Once Uh, you get the property, it's kind of like onto the next one. Yeah. That part, the the property management part, I do not like. Yeah, you know, so them and fixing them and dealing with them, but it is exciting. The acquisitions, that's my favorite part as well, is just yeah. like the, the hunt and the the negotiation and then winning the bid. You know, oh, they finally they took the price. You know, you get the call at eight o'clock at night, nine o'clock at night, because they're sitting at the kitchen table and they're like, Yeah, we'll take it. And you get the paper back and you're mm-hmm. like, and then quickly after that, you're like, Okay, now what? Let's I guess we're gonna have to get another one. So um, like that. So like my job as an agent, like I get to do all that stuff and you, and I get paid for it. Yeah. And you don't have you know? to like go and raise the money or go to the bank and you just get to like, uh, you know, make the deal happen. So, um, is that what you primarily focus on now or what are you doing inside the real estate economy these days? So yeah, I started, so my brokerage firm is, um, primarily working with investors. So like my business personally, I've got eight agents that work for me. Um, we are about 95% investor on the investor side of things. So like I said, we get to do that that deal stuff all day long. It's been nine years and I still love going to work every single day because it's so exciting to me. So that's been a primary focus of mine as well. Um, as well as I've been I said, dabbling a little bit more into like syndications, um, more private money stuff, kind of a little bit of notes. Um, at least like learning that sort of process, but really like getting to getting to analyze deals every single day and then work with other investors on their overall strategy is what I primarily do. And then I also coach agents on how to work with investors as well. Okay. So let's say we've got some agents listening and maybe some, we'll do it in two parts. Let's say you're an agent and you, let's speak to the agents for a second. What's, what's something that, um, you know, something that you can help them with as dealing as a buying agent, because it's different than being a retail agent. So what would you say is like a tip that you can give someone who's thinking, oh, I want to, I want to sell seven houses to the same person this year. How can I become a buyer agent? Because it's different than selling full houses to, to, to families or something like that. It's totally different. I mean, you have to understand that this, not only does this area of the business produce um, referral clients and are like long-term repeat buyers, right? But you have to know what you're doing and what you're talking about, you know? And so my biggest motto is you can't sell them sunshine and rainbows. I can tell you nine years of doing this, we've done 140 million of investment properties just since 2020. And almost all of our business is referral-based because we do not sell our clients the sunshine and rainbows, right? I never, I've never seen, never once gotten a call from one of my clients and said, hey, listen, you messed up and I'm not making as much money as I thought you would. You told me I would. All my calls I get from my clients, they are like, wait, 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 wait. I'm making more money than you projected. And I tell them because I projected worst case scenario numbers. And if you're happy with those worst case scenario numbers, you're going to love me in six months when you realize that you're going to be profiting more. And then you want to do more deals with me. Mm-hmm. So it's it's really about, A, understanding the investor mindset. 
and be setting your, establishing yourself with integrity and not just focusing on getting a sale and moving on. Yeah. Cause with retail, they said they might buy, you know, what, every eight to 10 years. Yeah. You know, if that, you know, or they might, yeah, buy they might at show least them once, eight to 10 houses and buy nothing too. So, yeah. Cause so it's about feelings, right? It's about the yeah, so color, the how the house was, uh, the main tip was know your numbers, sell the worst case scenario. And if they're happy with that, and I really like what you said about the referral business. Like if you sell sunshine and rainbows and it turns out to not be that, that's like the end of that chain. But if you Absolutely. do a good investor sale, boom, they talk to their friend and they talk to their friend and you can actually accumulate a, a good little base just on doing good business and not uh, inflating the numbers. But most importantly, knowing the numbers as an agent helps these people who probably don't really know the numbers they're just trying to, to get into the market and see what it is so on the um on the agent side um you've got them kind of you know you're t teaching these agents how to do that how, how do you go about helping agents um in your business you said you educate them absolutely um you know i've got a coaching program that works with them on how to how to understand the investor mindset, A, you know, how to find investors, how to work with them, um, how to analyze deals, how to advise them, um, and then grow your business. Because I, I think one of the biggest complaints, at least I've seen in the investor community, is that most don't think agents are worthwhile. And the reality is, I would say 95% of agents aren't, you know, they're yeah. not, they're not good they're at not their educated. job. They're not educated, right? If they're going to just set you up with an MLS alert, like that's a waste of everyone's time. Um, so investors, right, have to learn to seek out the ones that are actually going to help them and find deals for them and and figure out how to make the deal work. Mm -hmm. um, but if your agent is just, again, sending you some, you know, random MLS listing and then expecting you to do it all, like then, then yeah, that's worthless to you. Yeah. I mean, MLS is also at realtor.com. So you don't necessarily need to jump on that. Um I mean, there's a value. There's always value to someone to help you transact. You know, they might not be educated, but if you're trying to to deal with investors and you're a real estate agent listening, you know, you should know uh, the numbers because otherwise, um, if you're expecting your client to know the numbers, it's maybe they maybe they don't either. So then it's a blind leading the blind. Now, <laughs> you 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 grew that portfolio re relatively quickly, and um, a lot of people get cut off from the bank far before they they reach that that mm -hmm. level. Um, how did you go about financing that scaling procedure in your business? So it's a really funny story. I, we, I knew we already had three properties in the Chicago market. Um, there's financing restrictions once you get past four. So like yep. once you get past, you can have 10 properties in your name, right? One, 10 in the wife, 10 in the husband. But once you get past four, the requirements change a bit and you cannot cash out refinance on any of your properties except for your personal residence. And so I knew we had bought in like, we had bought our investment properties in 2011 and 2012 and 2013, knowing that we were buying at the bottom of the market, they were gonna appreciate. I never wanted to pigeonhole myself by continuing with residential financing. I always knew that we were gonna pull equity out of those properties. So properties four and above, we went with an LLC and commercial financing. Now, I was, listen, I was investing out of state. I didn't really have a lot of contacts in the Milwaukee market. And I felt kind of like a hooker. 
Okay. Like trying to figure out like, cause I was like, I was literally on like Google, Googling commercial banks. And I would just like call the random numbers and say like, hi, my name's Bree. I've got this portfolio. I want to buy, you know, like, will you, will you give me money? And they all said, no, I must've gotten 20 no's in a row. I, you know, I was out of state. I was a somewhat new investor, right? I didn't have any relations up there. Um, and I was just getting turned down. So I desperately posted on LinkedIn one day. Yeah. Said, hey, you know, I've got this portfolio. I need financing, you know, and this random guy I've never met before. I remember called me on a Sunday morning and said, hey, I've got a bank that will work with you. I'm a commercial broker. It's going to cost you two points. You know, are you interested in in getting this relationship started? And I said, absolutely. Like no one else will talk to me. You yeah. know, no one's no one's buying what I'm trying to sell here. Um, so we, I signed the contract and agreed to pay two points and that contact not only funded my 18 properties that I bought, but then also funded eight of the 10 of my partner's properties. So we did what, 26 loans with them in a, in an 18 month period. Um, and it was absolutely worth that 2% commission to that broker to get that deal, that relationship started. So I got very lucky that the broker that I got put in touch with totally got me. 100% yeah. got me, got my business plan, like believed in me. Um, and it was such an easy process. Once I learned their underwriting, um, once I learned like their DSCR requirements, right? How they were calculating their vacancy rates, their property management fees, all that stuff. Then I would send my files to them in their calculations and say like, here, here's five properties I want to buy. And they'd be like, well, you know, you've already run the numbers for us. You already know it's approved. And then boom, that was it. So it was such an easy relationship after that. Um, but getting to that point and finding that one, that needle in the haystack was so difficult for me. And so how much of your own capital did you have to bring to the table for these individual properties? Because, or were they financing hundred percent? No, 25% down. Yeah. So where did you come up with the, the seed capital for these, these loans? Uh, well, you said that the third property I bought was a burr. So yeah. when we refinanced, we pulled capital out of that one. And that bought us the next, let's say, 10 properties. Uh, and then okay. the other one. Because I, of the property values were so much higher. Yes. You and you had this and you could split it out over a handful more. Okay, cool. Yeah, because the Chicago market now, you know, properties are in like the six to $800,000 range. And then even Milwaukee now, it's in the like hundred to $140,000 range. Yeah. So your your capital goes a lot further. Um, and then my, my amazing brother... Um, put a loan on his house for me and gave me the money to invest. So then I was able to pay him back within 18 months. And that's how I got my second half of the portfolio. Yeah. I, I like that story because it shows that, um, you could have, you could have stopped far before you did. You could have just got rejected a few times and said, you know what, you know, commercial lending isn't for me. They're not interested. I'm just going to go back to another corporate job, or maybe I'll just be a professional real estate agent. And you kept calling and you kept digging. And, you know, that's the, the story that I want people to take away from that is that the money is out there. How far you were willing to go to find it is the difference because you could have quit anywhere in there. So congratulations for sticking sticking through that because it, it can be hard to get rejected. You start thinking, oh, it's it's about me and my qualifications. And, you know, it's it's, you know, actually it's, usually the bank's business decision that's deciding whether or not they're going to loan to you and not so much on you. And yeah, a little bit, but if you've got the money, you can find the loan and, but you do have to find it, which is, I guess, did you get excited just the same way as deal finding when you found that money? Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Making you know, that was type a of deal. Right. And then the, I was, 
blessed that the guy got me immediately, you know, and still it's been what nine years. Um, I still talk to him to this day. You know, we still do business together. I still give him referrals to this day. Um, because it was that relationship has lasted the entire time. And I know what, if I ever need anything else, like now I've got someone to go back to who can refer me to something else that I need. So let's, let's, uh, let's wrap it up with one final question. You know, people who've achieved things such as yourself in real estate, where you've kind of gone through the whole cycle, you've built a portfolio. Um, what advice would you, would you have for someone who's just starting out these days? So in today's market, right, you got to buy on cap rate. Um, the, the issue right now, besides inventory, obviously, Mm -hmm. um, is, you know, the interest rates, right. Are probably scaring off a lot of investors and we still have investors moving forward that are just buying based on cap rate, knowing that rates will at some point go down and they can refinance and then increase their cash flow. Um, the other thing I think that is, is finding the right tribe, right. The right people, um, that are advising you based on, you know, your needs and not advising you based on making money off of you. Um, so once you find those people that you can trust, they can help you go from zero to 60 quite quickly. Yeah. So the tribe, I think that's a, that's a big one. Like, uh, you know, again, if you're listening, the people, there's that generic quote, you know, kind of cliche, but never more true is the five people you spend the most time with. And the books you read will ultimately determine your future. Now, Bree, if people want to find out more and connect with you, what should they do? Sure. My uh, handle across all social media is Chicago Bree. Pretty easy. Chicago B-R-I-E. And I'm on pretty much all social media handles. Awesome. Awesome. Well, I really appreciate the time. And uh, I'm sure the people at home got a lot out of this episode. So I appreciate the time. Thanks for having me. All right, guys. And we'll check you on the next episode.